certainly good to be here this morning. <clears throat> I met one of our first-time visitors over there. He's, he's six foot five. I like that. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I, I get wherever, I, you know, I go on a travel sometimes. And two weeks ago, I was down at a church, and someone said, did you play basketball? That's always the question. I did. I always respond, did you play miniature golf? <laughs> um, because when you're tall, you get that basketball question all the time. We're looking today, we'll read from Matthew 4 in a few moments. Matthew was quoting Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, where it says, The people who walked in darkness saw the great light. Isaiah is prophesying that, and Matthew lets us know that Jesus is that great light. And we're talking today about people walking in darkness. Our world is dark. And some scholars say the three days in Exodus chapter 10, 21 to 23, which are on the screen, uh, are a type of the three hours Jesus hung on the cross. And that's interesting to think about that. But Moses saw the people or says the people of Egypt will feel this darkness. Actually, they would feel it. And uh, this is the same exact Hebrew word used when Samson wanted to feel the pillars to pull down that construction, that temple. And they have found remains of temples constructed with that two pillar in the center type of construction, by the way. Archaeologists have found that. But anyway, I got off the subject. The Israelis, it says, had light in their dwellings. And the Egyptians didn't. It was total darkness for them. And so it's interesting. The, the, the weight or the density of the fog, maybe, I don't know. But they could not get their lamps lit. I like uh, Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your God in heaven. Like that, you know, the Bible tells us that we are a light in this world. And this plague somehow hindered them from lighting their lamps. I don't know where their sun God was, but the God of Israel provided light in their dwellings. We used to sing a little song when I was a kid. It's not totally scriptural, but it was give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning, burning, burning. Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. We already have the oil if the Lord's in our life, right? So we don't need for the Lord to, to come in and give us a special uh, jump start or anything. He's there. When you trust Christ, he never leaves you nor forsake you. But, you know, I love the fact that he is there. I love the fact that he is the light of the world. And so let's read Matthew chapter 4, verse 16, where Matthew is quoting Isaiah 9, 6. Stand with me. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 16. The people which sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is springing up. And from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was wanting to usher in the kingdom to the Jews. In fact, he even said, don't go to the Gentiles. Go reach the house of Israel. He was going to usher in the kingdom. In fact, the Bible said John the Baptist would have been their Elijah, but they rejected him. Thank God that we are grafted in, amen, as Gentiles. Let's pray. God bless us as we take a look in the book for a walk in the world. Help me, God. I certainly need you this morning, as I always do. As we take a walk, a walk and a look in this book for a walk in the world, help me, God, to, to be a, 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 your tool, your instrument this morning to say what you'd have me to say. Bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. 
Twice in Revelation, in fact, one of the verses is on the screen. We see in the tribulation period as well, there'll be darkness. In the first half of the tribulation period, we call these the trumpet judgments. The, the Bible says there'll be a darkness for one third of the days and one third of the nights. But then in the second half of the tribulation period, it gets pretty serious. It says the kingdom was full of darkness and they gnawed on their tongue for pain. Now that's probably the result of the mark they have been given. But we know that it's a terrible, terrible time, the tribulation period. I'm glad I'm not here. I know there's a great writer by the name, I believe, Marv Rosenthal, who used to write for Israel My Glory and started to teach that it was a mid-trib and he had to leave there and he writes about a mid-trib rapture. I just still believe that we're raptured before the tribulation period entirely. I told someone I'm so pre-trib, sometimes I don't eat post-toasties, but that's, that's not a real good, valid theological argument, okay? But here uh, in Revelation 16.10, a serious judgment, the vile judgment. And that's right after the scorching of the sun. People worry about global warming. Will there be global warming? Not that will bother us, but there will be in the tribulation period. And as, as God's children, we need to be ready. And, and uh, we are, if we're saved, uh, we are ready for the rapture. But I, I hope when the Lord comes, I'm doing something constructive for him, you know. But anyway, uh, we know that Joel talked about darkness. And some people try to uh, take the prophecy of Joel and apply it, apply it to the church. That's a second advent sign, not a church sign. Those, those things are not going to happen in the church age. We do have total eclipses. We have lunar eclipses. There was a man who was a good man, a Christian man, but he was a little different denomination who produced tapes and CD, uh, DVDs and CDs saying that, you know, in 2022, there's going to be a lunar eclipse and that's the end. And I thought to myself, you know, the rapture may take place before that, but that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for Jesus. And all those signs will be fulfilled before the second advent. Well, there's several things about darkness. Darkness, first of all, is a metaphor for evil. We know that. The Bible said men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. We know that in uh, John 3, 3, 19, it says that uh, men love darkness rather than light. Then Isaiah chapter 8, verse 22 says, they shall be driven to darkness. Darkness is also a, a, a representation of hell, isn't it? Because Scripture says they'll be cast into our outer darkness. Uh, Jude says, to whom is reserved the blackness of of darkness forever. So it's definitely a metaphor for evil. We see that over and over and over. And Satan, of course, we know if you'll turn with me to Ephesians 6.12, well, I'll have it. You can see it on the screen. We know that it's a, it's a metaphor for evil and the, that Satan is the head of the rulers of darkness. Isn't that interesting? We know that. I referenced this several months ago and I'm going to reference it again. We are told in verse 11 to put on the whole armor of God <clears throat> that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Well, he's been at work all week, hadn't he? I mean, he's just, he's just evil. The wiles, that Greek word is the word we'll get our English word methods from. He has methods, doesn't he? And he knows what he's doing. He's always working on us. And we know that we are got to be ready for the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. These are spiritual forces. Against powers. Those are authorities. And rulers of darkness of this world. 
And who's the head of the rulers of darkness? Satan himself. We know that. He and his ministers are so capable. In fact, if you'll look at, and, and you don't have to turn there, but if you want to mark it down and look at it later. And 2 Corinthians 11, 14 and 15, it says, it says, marvel not, or excuse me, lest Satan should get an advantage of us that we are not ignorant of his devices. And we, we, that word there, devices, is translated several ways in your Bible. It's translated uh, in 2 Corinthians 4, 4. It's translated minds in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. We're to take, have all our thoughts into the obedience of Christ. But in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, it says, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them, lest the glorious gospel of Christ should sign unto them. The minds. What does Satan do? What are his devices? What are his wiles? We've already told you. To work on our minds. Even this morning, you had thoughts you shouldn't have had. You've had negative thoughts, questionable thoughts. You wouldn't want to reveal your thoughts because it might embarrass you. But he's constantly bombarding our mind with thoughts. And his angels, we know in 2 Corinthians 11, are able to transform themselves. The Bible says Satan and his ministers can transform, them, transform themselves into angels of light. His ministers can be transformed as ministers of righteousness. Now, what does that word transformed mean? Because we have taught you over the years that I've been here in, in Romans chapter 12, that word transformed is a great word. It's that word metamorphosis. You know the word. The tadpole becomes a frog. The caterpillar becomes a butterfly. Why, when that, cat, that butterfly comes out, if you open that caterpillar, you can't find the fur. You can't find the 14 legs of the caterpillar. It's a miracle on the inside. What's happened with us when the Lord saved us and took up residence in our life, we were transformed. We're a metamorphosis. We've had a miraculous change in our heart, in our mind. This is not that word. This is a different Greek word, and I'll give it to you because you'll recognize it. It'll be somewhat familiar to you, but, but we know that this word here is the word metaschematio. You say, what is that? Well, meta, we know, uh, metamorphosis, but the word metaschematio is our word scheme. What does Satan do? He outwardly changes his appearance. Different word. He's always scheming. He's always trying to deceive. And so you see where God works a miracle in us, Satan doesn't do that. He changes his outward. He's scheming to deceive us into thinking he's an angel of light and that his, his ways and his things are good. His, he makes sin look good and he makes righteousness look bad. It says, woe unto those who call good evil and evil good. My friend Fred Brown used to say, the world looks at us and thinks we're nuts. And we look at them and we know they're nuts. <laughs> because we are different. We've been transformed. But, but the devil's making everything look good on the outside. He makes good uh, look bad and bad look evil. And I don't very often say anything political, but I was quite stunned this week over a couple of things and I'm going to, my pastor never preached politics. My professors told me in seminary, don't preach politics and I don't very, very seldom. But it's getting so bad now that we have to open our eyes and say, whoa, this is not good. 
You know, uh, I noticed this week that an award was given in the White House to a transgender man who's really a man as woman of the year. And I thought, why aren't women sick of this? Uh, you know, in, in all the sports and stuff now, it really is troublesome to me. But I have to remember not to fret, as e fret not about evildoers. God's in control. And then I saw that Arizona school board, they actually played the clip. Five board members, three who have dysfunctional children, will say, voted they will no longer allow student teachers to teach in their elementary school because the student teachers they were, they were not allowing came from Arizona Christian College and they said their statement of faith is bad. It says they believe in the traditional home and traditional family. And that's bad. Isn't that just like the angel of light? Huh? Just to, to make believers look bad and to make sin look good. Don't get all caught up in the politics, but get caught up in prayer. And, and be kind to sinners as Jesus would want you to be. And pray for your president as you're told to do. All right? So don't go out here and start getting signs and going and protesting. And listen, we aren't going to change the world by politics. We're going to change it by prayer and sharing the love of Jesus Christ. And so it's troublesome. It bothers us. We see all this. Satan's the head of the ruler of darkness. Satan's also a liar and the father of lies, John 8, 44 says. Be not ignorant of his devices. And we, we know that, uh, that that word is translated several times. You have the verses on the screen. He's a liar. His devices are deceit. He's scheming. He's confusing people. And we have to be aware of him. And also we have to mention that sinners are the children of the devil. Uh, another thing, years ago they had this, Hollywood came up with a song. It was during one of the big tragedies. I think it was 9-11. And we are the world. We are all God's people and all this stuff. And all the Hollywood elite were singing in this song. And they were so proud of themselves. They harmonized pretty good. But the song just wasn't biblical. Because clearly, children of God are people who've been born again into God's family. Not everybody's a child of God. 1 John chapter 3 verse 10 says, in, in this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. What did Jesus say to the Pharisees? Very religious people. He said, ye are of your father the, the Pharisees. Religion's never saved anybody. And they were the worst of the worst. They were so hypocritical. And Jesus called them on it. Listen, to be a child of God, you have to be born into the family of God. When you're born into the family of God, that makes you a child of God. I love that. I love that. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the children of God. Amen. And if any man hath not the spirit, he's none of his. So to be a person who has a spirit in your life, you need to be a child of God. You need to be born again. And so darkness clearly is a metaphor for evil. In our world is in darkness and people love it because their deeds are evil. But there's also a metaphor for light. And that's our Lord. He's a metaphor for light. And we find so many scriptures about that. In 1 John 5, it talks about God is light. In him is no darkness at all. And on and on and on the scriptures talk about him being the light. And we know that he's called us out of darkness into the light. I think of... Um, 1 John 2, 9 and 10. He that saith he's in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness. 
It says in uh, 1 Peter 2, 9, he's called you out of darkness into a marvelous light. Uh, Colossians 1, 3, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. Now, we're not talking about literal physical darkness like the plague of Egypt. We're talking about spiritual darkness. He's called you out of that. And we need to recognize that. Acts 26, 18 talks about turning from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God. The only way that can happen in your, in your life is if you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. It's the only way to get out from that power of darkness. We still have to, you know, my pastor used to say, you know, our boat has to be in the water. Just don't let water in the boat. We still have to live in this world, but we don't have to be like the world. Love not the world, or the, neither the things of the world. We have to live as children of light. And boy, in darkness, light really means something. I have a house full. My son and his daughter and three, my three grandkids are with us now. And the others are coming in Tuesday. And it's kind of chaotic and kind of fun. You know, I'm worn out every day. Uh, I, I get tired of chasing the, the littler ones. And yesterday we painted and I, I was just so worn out. And I got home and my six-year-old wanted me to read books. I didn't want to read any books. I wanted to take a nap. But, you know, he, he's, a, he's a little child of God, and he's special. And it's, all of us have to pour into him the gospel and the light of scriptures and so forth because he's developing into a child of God, a man of God. And so we sometimes have to give up what we want to do to help impart light to people in darkness. It's a dark world. And we are supposed to be light bearers in this world. And I, I love so many things about light. I was <clears throat> reading, of course, you know this, you're smart people, but light travels 186,000 miles per second. It's the only substance that can do uh, what, what water and, and, and air can't do, what light can do. Water gets polluted, doesn't it? Air gets polluted. But light can pass through a substance and reveal all the filth and still remain pure. I sit up in the loft, and, and yes, I watch TV sometimes. Uh, and, uh, and I have a window there, and I looked at the window, and I thought, that window's really nasty. You know, my daughter-in-law's coming, and I think I'll clean that one window in front of me. And I, I cleaned that window, you know, and I thought I had it real good, until the next day, the sun, later in the day, the sun was over that side of the house, shining through that window, and I said, that window's filthy, and I just cleaned it. What happened? The sun exposed the filth. Yeah. You know, the Lord's compared to light throughout Scripture, isn't he? You know, um, the light of the glorious gospel changed my life. And light continually exposes my problems. The word is a lamp under my feet and a light under my path. God is light, 1 John 1, 5. And the word light there is the word phos. Our word phosphorus comes from it. Whenever he says, I'm the light of the world or I'm the true light, that's a special word. He's using phosphorus, which is also used for our sun. What a powerful thing that is. God spoke and it happened. And that sunlight exposes the window pane in my house and the light of the glorious gospel exposed my sin and light continues. The word of God is quick and powerful. It exposes the filth in my heart. It's a powerful substance. And God is compared to light. God is the light of the world. 
There are two other Greek words translated light. I'm not going to give you those words. You won't be familiar with them, but one is reflected light. You know, like the moon is a reflector of the sun's light. Interesting, Job wrote that, what, 3,000 years ago? And we didn't discover that until modern day. Everybody thought the moon was a light. And we finally realized, what, 130 years ago, that it's just a reflector. Yet the Bible knew it all along. Was Job that smart? No, Job was inspired. God breathed and said, write it down. Sometimes our writers wrote down stuff they didn't even understand. And again, I'm getting off the subject, but it amazes me that the scientific accuracy of the Word of God. It's always fascinating to me. And so here, uh, the other word for light is reflected light, like on a mirror or a, or a body of water. And then there's light generated by another source, another Greek word. But this, like, like oil and electricity, but this is direct light, phos. And every time Jesus says, I am the light of the world, that's what he's using. He is the direct light. And he exposes everything. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. He sees it all. He sees it all. He sees your sick, secret sins. He sees the, the heart, your heart when it's not right because he's God. He's God and he's the light of the world. I love James says every good thing comes down from the father of lights and there's no shadow of turning. What do you mean? There's no eclipses with the Lord. He's always shining brightly. There's no eclipse. And so we know light's a metaphor for righteousness. In Genesis chapter 1, it said, he said, let there be light. And there was light. God spoke it into existence. He didn't need any help. He's God. So we're living in a dark world and there's so much darkness. It's shocking. 2,000 years ago, uh, John wrote that uh, he wanted the Lord to come. And we know he said, the spirit of Antichrist is already in our world. That's 2,000 years ago. Boy, the spirit of Antichrist is at work today, isn't he? Everything, every news person almost is anti-God, anti-church. And it doesn't help us when the cults come along and propagate all this false stuff. It doesn't help us when Christians don't live right. It hurts the cause of Christ. Because we're supposed to be Christ-like. Be careful when you say, I'm a Christian. That means Christ-like. And if you're not going to live it, don't talk about it. You know, it's an embarrassment. Cults embarrass, uh, you know, truth. And they, 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 and they should be exposed for what they are. But we're living in darkness. The spirit of Antichrist is in the, wor in the world. He's been at, at work since, since uh, he was cast out of heaven. And uh, the Satan, the manifestation in the Antichrist. And so we, we know that we're in spiritual warfare. You're battling the enemy every day in your mind, in your world, and the whole world seems to be against us. And so we have to live right in the last days. We know that Matthew 8, 12 talks about hell being dark, everlasting darkness, and Jude 1, 13 talks about it. But I think of spiritual darknesses and all the things in our world today, and a lot of things come to my mind. I think about being in hell, which is obviously darkness forever and ever, where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, and where the worm dieth not. I, uh, we had someone join our church a few weeks ago, and I was such an idiot at that time. I told about my dog having screwworms at the wrong time, but uh, I, I shared a story of how I brought the dog to the vet, 
and there was a hole in her stomach, and he said, spray this stuff in there. It was a purple stuff, and they'll all come out, and it'll help her heal. And when I sprayed that stuff in that hole, hundreds of gigantic maggots came crawling out, and I thought, ooh. And I, I thought about when we talked about all the critters, the lice and parasites and all the different creatures. Think about hell where the worm dieth not. I mean, it's scary to think about. But think about all the darkness. Sinners are children of darkness. Think about all the things that have gone in our, on in our history. Offering babies to false gods. Did you know even the children of Israel offered babies to Moloch? They put them in a furnace and burnt them alive. That's the spirit of darkness. The enemy was well pleased. We, we know that when Pharaoh being insecure and wanting to, to stop a deliver in Egypt, what did he do? He threw all the babies in the Nile and no doubt the crocs had quite a feast. Many of them drowned and many of them were eaten. But what an awful thing to think about that. And there's things going on in our world today. I think of pedophilia. I uh, almost makes me want to puke. But uh, I, you know, when we first got our little daughter, someone said, you need to look at this website. And I went to a website and it showed every place where people who are convicted of pedophilia are living and there were people, you know, like right around where I live, several people. And I thought, that's unbelievable. And I watched uh, what made me think of as I watched Jared from Subway. They had a little special on him this week. I had to shut it off. It made me so mad. And, and that's what's going on in our world. Uh, and, and sex trade. They're, they're kidnapping little girls that are 8 and 10 years old. And they're selling them. Uh, and, and men are using them for their, their pleasure. This is going on today. The next thing that'll be legal will be pedophilia. They'll say, well, if a 12-year-old can have a sex change surgery or they can have an abortion without their parents knowing, certainly if they want to date a married adult man or whatever, they can do that. It's all going to happen. It's just getting worse and worse. But the Bible says it'll get worse and worse. And this is kind of a, a maybe a despairing message to you because of all the things that are going on. And of course, I think of, uh, I was just watching a Billy Graham crusade last night, and they interviewed some guy on there, got saved at a crusade, he was an Australian guy. And his crime, he was part of a crime ga a gang there of, of criminals, and, and they wanted to kill Billy Graham. And he said, 10 of us came to his concert and, and sat down on the field near the podium, and we decided when people started to go forward, we would go forward. And between the 10, we all had these guns. He called them, uh, uh, I had it written down, zip guns. He said, all of us were going to come forward, and we were certain we, we could get him. And he said, so we decided we'd wait to the invitation. He said, so I'm listening. And, of course, Billy Graham had God's hand on him. There's no doubt. And he said, I was looking around. I thought, why are all these people here? You know, and he realized, well, they all can't be that dumb. And Billy Graham's preaching away, and he said he, he heard the message. And he said by the end of the message, he was crying. He said when the invitation came, he went forward all right, but he threw his gun down. And went and got forward and got saved. Isn't that awesome? So there is hope in the dark world. It's the light of the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Satan's blind to the minds from unbelievers, so they can't see. But if they repent... God will make it very simple for them to be saved. Uh, he, he, he's the light that shineth out of darkness. And we, like him, are to be the light of the world. I was thinking about the Holocaust. 
And of course, if you don't understand, if you can't see evil versus good when it comes to God's chosen people, isn't it interesting that everyone hates the Jew? Why? Because the Messiah, the devil knew it. The Bible said the Messiah would be a Jew. And that Jew would, is going to come again. And so Satan hates that. So he turns everybody against Israel. I mean, Israel's got a sliver of land 140 miles long. It, it's, it's uh, I can't remember, a hundred and some uh, thousand square miles, something like that. And the Arabs have 5,100,000 square miles. And guess what they want? That little sliver of Israel. They don't want them to exist as a people. Wipe them out. Who's behind all that? You can't see that? Why isn't uh, the whole world hating, uh, you know, Greece or, or Italy? Why? Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because the Messiah is Jewish. If you can't see spiritual warfare in your own life, if you can't see light and darkness in our world, you need to wake up and you need to look up. I love the Bible verse that says, look up your salvation draweth nigh. We're going to be spared from that tribulation and raptured out. But folks, right now, I, I think of what's going on in our world. And the Bible says, I'll bless them that bless Israel. And the Holocaust, you think about what happened there. When they had the soldiers come in and take over those camps. And they saw what was going on. I mean, they would march hundreds of Jews naked into what they told them was going to be a shower. And they'd gas them. And then they'd take them and burn them in furnaces. They had so many they couldn't burn. So they're digging mass graves. And they had video of people taking these bodies, and I have so much stuff on all this, but and these bodies and throwing them in graves. And they'd pick up a man who should weigh 160 or 70 pounds, and he'd weigh 40 pounds, and you'd see his ribs hanging. And they'd throw him in that mass grave. Why? Because there's darkness in our world. And the ruler of darkness is none other than the enemy of God, Satan the Antichrist, the deceiver, the one who changes his outward appearance to appear to be right and light. But the truth is he's nothing but darkness. Today, if you're here and you're not a believer, you're in darkness. You come to a church like this, it's kind of uncomfortable maybe because the pastor's preaching against some things that are now being accepted. And society's saying we need to accept this. No, as a Christian, we have to be different. We can't be rude and mean, but we can't be like that. And maybe you think that, wow, this is really an overwhelming sermon and all this stuff about darkness. Let me tell you, you're in darkness if you don't know Jesus Christ. The Bible says you're already dead in your trespasses and sins. It's not a matter of when you physically die and are separated. You're already dead spiritually. And you're without God in a world where it's tough to be without God. I want to ask you this. If you had an opportunity to be a child of light, would you take that opportunity? Would you say, I, I would be saved if I had an opportunity? Well, I will be down here to take the Bible and show you how. And if I'm not here, someone else will take the Bible and show you how to be saved. Because there is opportunity for those in darkness to become children of light. And when you get saved, you'll see things like Christians see things. You'll start to think, wow, I really realize that this is wrong and that is wrong. And our society's messed up. I mean, there's plenty of stats. And you can imagine 100 years from now when the stats come out and all this changes, people are having these operations. The result of this is going to be catastrophic. It may be too late because I believe the Lord's coming. But I wish he'd come today. Come, Lord Jesus. 
We're winding down to the end. John and Paul and many thought Jesus was coming way back then. And I believe he's coming today. And we need to look for his coming. Because that's the hope for the church is to get out of this place. But in the meantime, we need to reach people with the gospel. Let's pray. God, we thank you. For this plague that hit the Egyptians, which was literal darkness, but Lord, we've recognized this morning this spiritual darkness. The spiritual darkness in homes where Jesus Christ is not the head. The spiritual darkness we experience when we go to work, when we're out in, 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 in the grocery stores and, and just doing our shopping and our errands and we see darkness all around us. Lord, we know you said it would happen. It's happened. Lord, today I just pray if there's anyone here who needs to be saved, that they'll come forward on this first verse. Just run down here, Lord. And I know you still work and you still are all powerful and you still speak to hearts through your word. Even when someone like me preaches it, you're still powerful enough to deal with hearts and you have this morning. I just pray that folks respond in salvation. And Lord, if anyone needs to come for any reason, that we can be a blessing to them this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.